And this event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding, providing you with more than 45,000 leads every month. And our speaker for today, um, I've known them for almost a month. And, <laughs> you know, I can feel that, you know, we're really, really close right now. And I am loving this session. If, and if this is your first time, I've said last week that I got inspired with Jessica and AZ's story um, on how they started with um, real estate. And if you're also a new, uh, new person with this industry, I can say that you can relate to them. And I am a living testimony of Jessica and AZ's story that I am inspired with them. So let me give the floor to our speakers for today. Thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely been great getting to know this month as well. Uh, you know, we're, we're learning a lot of things about each other that we probably didn't expect to learn. <laughs> Uh, you know, but we're having fun. And for those of you that know, don't know, uh, you know, we've been actually be working with their company with IQ for pretty much since the beginning. And I think Jeff just found that out uh, yeah. last week when we were talking about it. Uh, mm -hmm. their, their now CEO, Steve Liang, did a, a demo like he was talking about for uh, a little uh, investor networking group that we had. Mm -hmm. And we instantly fell in love with the software and, you know, signed up and, uh, our first deals, I believe, figured out it was six or seven of our deals came from their software alone. Uh, so it, it is a really good tool for you uh, starting off. And even as a, a seasoned uh, investor, it's, it, it cuts out a lot of time. Uh, so we definitely appreciate them putting this webinar series together for us uh, to allow to, you know, get you guys informed. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Azra Moore. Everyone just calls me AZ. Uh, so my background is I knew nothing about real estate six years ago. Uh, before we got into it, uh, I worked for a defense contracting company out in San Diego. Uh, before that, I was in the Air Force. So I had a military background, worked military jobs, essentially. Uh, and then uh, on a fluke, we kind of decided we were going to move out here. And we got into real estate uh, overnight, essentially. Uh, and it got pretty crazy. But in, in the course of that, uh, the first two years, we just had our own agents that were feeding us deals along with the software. And after about two years, one of my agents, which is my former broker now, he was like, hey, why don't one of you guys get your license? And just, you know, he was more like, hey, cut out the middleman because I'm tired of driving around all over the place to let you guys in houses. And <laughs> we were like, yeah, sure, I guess. So I ended up getting my license, not really thinking that it was going to be as valuable as it was. It was just kind of cut out the middleman, like I said, and now we can get in houses. But since I've gotten it, I've gotten, uh, I've got to really understand how real estate works on investor side, plus the realtor side. Uh, so I, I play liaison a lot, uh, even in our own company, trying to negotiate the deals on the front end and the back end. Uh, and it's been really beneficial to understand the process on, on a different level than we understood in the beginning. Uh, so that, that brought a lot of value to us. And I'm now working on getting my broker's license. Uh, so that way I can set up my own team and kind of train those that are interested in being investor agents, kind of like I am now, uh, and get them on the right path. Uh, and then uh, next slide, please, Jeff. I am Jessica Moore. Um, also, uh, like AZ, I know nothing about real estate other than the fact that my mom was a realtor. Uh, 
a couple of decades ago. <laughs> um, other than that, um, knew nothing about it. And it was actually um, AZ's dad that uh, urged us to go to a real estate seminar just to check it out. And we we're like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, so that's what started that whole thing. Um, I'm originally from San Diego. I um, have a BA in interior design from San Diego State University. Go Aztecs. <laughs> um, I'm owner and principal designer of J. Murray Interiors. That's my design uh, company. We offer uh, full service design and staging. And then I'm also a manager of our fix and flip business, Orange Juicer LLC. All right, next slide. And before we uh, get too far into this, as Jeff mentioned earlier, if you guys have any questions, just yeah. write them in the chat box now. Uh, if it's relative to the slide we're talking about, we'll definitely jump on it. Or if it's something that we know is not in the presentation, uh, we'll jump on it. But if we're running low on time, we'll, we'll get to the questions and answers, like a full session at the very end of this. Mm -hmm. uh, but we want you guys to be writing those questions down in the chat as soon as you think of them. That way, you're not trying to remember later on uh, yeah. in the webinar. So quick disclaimer. Uh, we're not attorneys, <laughs> we're not tax people, we're not CPAs, uh, we're not financial advisors, so we can't give advice. We can give our opinion and we will, again, you ask the question and we'll, we'll give our opinion based off of our knowledge and what we've done in our experience. But again, we are not in any way, shape or form, you know, CPAs, attorneys or financial advisors. So if you have something relative to that, like how to structure your LLC and things like that, please talk to you know the right people about that. Yes. Okay, so we're three, let's state the raw, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And today's topic is, next slide. <laughs> um, we're gonna be talking about a rehab checklist. Um, last week, we kind of touched on that as well because we talked about budgets um, and checklists kind of um, relate to building your budget when you're determining what your rehab and your scope of work will be. So in this series, we'll share our experiences, good and bad, during our flipping career. This week, we'll address how creating a detailed checklist for your rehab in the beginning can set you up for success. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's totally a lifesaver. And we, again, from experience, we can say that we did not start off with a checklist. <laughs> no. And had we have done that, uh, it would have saved us a lot of profit. You know, we, we didn't necessarily have any losses, but we made less profit and we see that not having this was a direct result. So we're going to definitely, you know, we want you guys to focus on these things out the gate, especially the newer investors that haven't have a clean slate and haven't had a chance to create bad habits right. like us. Uh, get as much of these things in place as possible now so you're not trying to, you know, reverse engineer your bad habits later on. All right, next slide, please. Okay, um, what to look for before anyone swings a hammer. So before anybody starts work, um, obviously you've got to nail down your rehab number, your budget. Um, so a detailed checklist can help you evaluate the entire project so that you don't miss something that could affect the entire budget. Um, you're not gonna catch everything, but this will ultimately um, help you in the long run. Um, add to and revise your checklist after every project, which we do. We add two or three things that didn't happen on the previous project that happened on the next project, and we just keep adding to our list. Um, knowing what to look for in the beginning will save you from some major pitfalls, um, and we have a lot of experiences to share with you in this presentation, <laughs> so you can um, see some examples of that. 
And then um, your initial walkthrough of the property is your opportunity to dissect the issues and come up with a plan. And that's super important. Too. Yeah. So, so what you want to think about, think about it like this. So you do, you should be doing your contractor interviews, or at least we do our contractor interviews completely independent of any property we currently have under project. Meaning whether we have something in the pipeline or not, uh, we know it's time to cycle through contractors and get some more backups. We'll interview a handful, like you know, five to ten contractors, one at a time, and we just we just interview them and that's it. We don't walk a property with them. We don't do any of that. That's just to make sure that we are in line. Right. Uh, they understand that we work off of a draw schedule because we use hard money or private money. Uh, you know, all those little things that matter once you get going. We try and solve that in the very beginning. And then once you wheel, uh, whittle it down to the, the few contractors that you think might work out for a project, this is when this checklist comes into place. So you get something under contract, your first deal, your fifth deal, whatever it may be. And then you meet each contractor with the checklist and hand it to them. You have your own copy. You walk through and tell them kind of your scope of work. But meanwhile, they should be going through this checklist, checking things off. Uh, and if we have time, what we'll do is we'll try and pull up our checklist and show it to you guys. Uh, just to give you an idea. It's nothing fancy, but just so you can understand like what it should look like. Uh, next slide, please. Okay, and here's some examples of things we look for before we get started on our remodel. Or even if we're still in our option period, if it's a property that you you found on MLS or through Real Estate IQ. Um, taking the age of the house into account um, to determine the type of plumbing and wiring it has. Um, determine if the house has had foundation work. So you can look for evidence of that by um, looking at the floors, if you notice breakouts, or sometimes even on the exterior. Um, see that like on the front porch, you might find a breakout. Um, or if there was a disclosure of any kind that would indicate that it had uh, foundation work. Um, checking all major systems, big ticket items like HVAC and electric uh, panels. Um, those, if you don't account for them in the beginning, can be very costly. Um, if HVAC system is working, but it looks like maybe it's on its last leg, um, it's probably safe to assume that you're going to have to replace it. So those types of things that if you don't account for in the beginning can really affect um, your profit. And also, we look for any signs of water, uh, water damage, um, and you know, ceilings, if there's a leaky roof, um, and where there's water, there's usually always an issue. Um, yeah. Sometimes not, but probably 95% <laughs> of the yeah, time, definitely. there's at least something um, you could prevent or you know, account for in your budget. Yeah, and so hopefully everybody knows what a, what a breakout is um, it's, it's just where they break out the concrete, right? Uh, so on a lot of houses, you won't notice it on the inside because it's to be covered with some type of flooring, right? Uh, but normally around the garage, anywhere where there's concrete, if there's a back porch, you'll see that little square cut out where they have to dig and put a jack in and lift, uh, put the pier in, and then report the concrete. So it'll be a lighter color typically because it's newer concrete. Uh, that's a dead giveaway that there's been some kind of foundation, whether you buy it from a bank who doesn't have to give a disclosure or not, uh, that's like an obvious sign kind of thing. Uh, same thing with like HVAC, we have one that, you know, duct tape or something on, on <laughs> yeah. the furnace uh, that basically, as soon as you turn the heat on, it's just gonna melt and catch on fire. Uh, so 
we don't know, we're not HVAC people, but it was obvious enough for even us to be like, oh, that's an issue. Yeah, so again, that doesn't look right. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, it doesn't look right. It probably isn't. Right. So you don't, you don't have to, don't feel like you have to have a bunch of experience to look for issues. Just, you know, if something looks weird, ask your contractor like, hey, what's that? And again, this is in the beginning phase before you start the project. So, you know, the, the ceiling looks a little bit yellow in spots. There was probably a leak there or still is. Uh, so if you don't have it on your list, just kind of point it out to them. It's at that point, they should be going the further step and climbing in the attic or climbing under the house if it's got a crawl space to investigate those things that you're not going to do. Right. Uh, next slide, please. And then behind the walls, there's some issues that you can't always see when doing an initial walkthrough. Um, this particular property had uh, had flooded before, but there was no disclosure on this property. It was a an REO, I believe. Um, yeah. So there was no disclosure. So we didn't know there was a previous flood um, or any issues like that. And when the contractor was uh, replacing sheetrock or doing some work, they noticed that um, in multiple rooms, about the first two feet um, of that wall were had been saturated before. So there was mold behind those walls. And that's something that obviously you couldn't see visually because sometimes when there's, you know, a mold issue or whatever, if the previous owner just painted over it. Right. Or if it just hasn't seeped through the drywall yet, because it's mm -hmm. not like it's instant, it, you know, it gets wet and then the next day it's death black mold. It, it, takes, it takes time and if it airs out properly, it may never seep through even the paint. Uh, right. And like you said, you know, they might've repainted it, not even thinking about it. Uh, and I remember we parents, because this is the first time we had an issue like this. And right. They're like, oh, we're just going to cut off, like you said, the top or the bottom two feet. And we were like scrambling asking our network of other investors, like is that normal? a piece of sheetrock. And it turns out, yeah, about two feet is normal uh, for, a, for normal flooding. Like again, it was probably a dishwasher or a, yeah. a, a washing machine, nothing major. And I think even on top of that, we also had to replace some of those some of the framing have been damaged from the water also and so again this is where your padded budget comes into play like we talked about in our last week's session um and this particular issue cost us another two thousand yeah. dollars so um that's why it's always a good idea to add a little extra cushion to that budget because there are things that you can't see Right. Um, and, in the beginning. And unfortunately, they tend to compound a lot of times. So as you mentioned, you know, we had to replace some of those two by sixes. Some of it was due to water damage, but some of it was due to uh, termite, previous termite damage. Because once the wood gets wet, the termites are like, oh, this wood's wet. It's easier to eat. Let's go eat this. Uh, but termites apparently are sporadic. So they don't just work on one and they work their way like they do in the cartoons down to the next. <laughs> to the next. Uh, they may just eat one beam and then they'll just go away. And apparently that's what they did behind here. So it was, it, thankfully it wasn't bad, but it could have added another two, three, four grand just in the termites. And that's something we couldn't have came back with the previous owners, number one, because it was bank owned. So the bank says, hey, we don't know anything. But even if it was on living there, if they never, if we couldn't find proof that they tried to fix it, they tried to uh, kilts or paint over the wood to try and seal it or anything, uh, then they probably honestly didn't know either. So you couldn't even come back at the at the previous seller for issues mm -hmm. like this. And this is why, like Jessica said, you know, padding that budget is, is so important. Worst case, you make more profit at the end, but you know, right. 
or best case, worst case, you you have to use it, and it, it, it you know it covers at least most of uh, the overage. Uh, next slide, please. Okay. Um, how to prioritize your remodel. Um, so we always like to address the major big ticket items first. Anything involving the systems or the functionality of the house. Um, so HVAC, plumbing, electrical, foundation. If that house needs any of those things. Um, that is the priority, that is the top of the list. Right, and all those are like one priority. It's not that the HVAC is more important than the plumbing or the foundation, that's just, mm -hmm. any of that has to be in your budget. If not, you're cutting corners and you're eventually gonna get yourself in trouble. Uh, those are the major ticket items that's gonna pop up on the buyer's inspection on the very back end of the project. And you don't wanna be having to replace HVAC, uh, you know, uh, two weeks before closing. Uh, because now you're having to possibly cut into sheetrock and tear out things that you had to put in just to replace it. Uh, so those things are like the must-haves. Uh, right. So that bullet one is one, the number one priority of, of must-haves. And then um, curb appeal is super important. A lot of people will do an amazing remodel on the inside. It looks, you know, super pristine. And then the, the exterior, you know, the landscape is still overgrown or it's not manicured. Um, you know, there's cracks in the brick because there was foundation work. Um, you know, whatever it is, the curb appeal is super important on the resale of that property. So windows uh, make a huge difference. Um, the driveway, if the driveway has got huge cracks, um, that could be an issue on, on the resale. Um, landscape, like I mentioned, and exterior paint and the roof. Um, we had a property in Dallas uh, on Eastern Road <laughs> in Lake Highlands. Um, the roof was, I don't know, it was maybe five years old. Yeah, so like our, our magic number is like uh, eight years to replace a roof. Uh, and that's because of found or not founder, sorry, uh, insurance purposes. A lot of insurance companies, once it gets to seven or eight years, they change from uh, full replacement costs to depreciated value, which means they say, oh, the, the, the roof is 10 years old, so we're going to subtract 10 years of the value plus your deductible. So here's $3 to fix your $10,000 roof. Right. Uh, so, you know, eight years is our magic number, but it was, yes, it was, it was probably five years old. Yeah, so we, you know, we were like, well, it's fairly new roof, so we're not going to spend the money to replace it. Um, however, on that particular street, when you were standing in front of the house and just looking straight forward, um, you could see at least half of the roof. Right, the so, way it was pitched, it was... The way it was pitched and the angle and all of that, when you're standing in front of the house, you could see a lot of the roof. Um, so we didn't really think about the fact that maybe it looked a little bit older and had some imperfections. Um, long story short, the buyer ended up requesting um, that the roof be replaced. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and again, it, it functioned just fine. It passed the yeah. buyer's inspection, it passed our inspection. Uh, it wasn't leaking or anything. It didn't need to be patched. It had never been patched. Mm -hmm. So it's not that we, again, tried to just cover it up. It was actually a solid roof. But like she's saying, the curb appeal was, wasn't there. Right. She was like, it's ugly. So she wanted yeah. to replace. And, and all of it on this, on this particular flip, um, we did not really pay too much attention to the curb appeal At all, like yeah. we should have. And um, Easton Road is a pretty busy street. So, uh, you know, curb appeal and just attracting the right buyer 
um, was really important, especially because it was on a busy street. So anything you can do to make that curb appeal pop, um, you know, is going to help you on the resale. Yeah. Um, the next next thing in order of importance is functionality. So I, I wouldn't recommend that you always revise the floor plan if it's an older build where, you know, like 50s, where everything is compartmentalized. Or you and, have to go through one room to get into the next bedroom, right. to get to the next bedroom, and it, it doesn't make sense. And it's not open concept which a lot of people like, but maybe that might be changing um, because of <laughs> COVID. COVID. People are getting tired of looking at each other <laughs> from the kitchen to the living room. Um, but, you know, that is something to be addressed. It's not at the top of the list because you could still um, fix all the major things and, um, you know, it, you may not need to revise the layout, um, but that's something to think about because homes that were built in the 50s, 60s, 70s um, may not be as functional to today's buyer. So that's something to think about. And then interior cosmetics, obviously, uh, finishes, lighting, um, just doing those updates that you normally do. Um, and then lastly, any you know smart home or security features that you can add to kind of um, make it more appealing to buyers. Yeah, so I mean, if, so if you're trying to think about trying to fit this in your budget and you have say a solid $50,000 budget and you get to the last couple things and you're at $50,000, uh, this is where you have to make the decision, can I push my budget to say 55 in order to incorporate the interior, updating the lighting or putting that granite countertop in or marble instead of granite or whatever it is. And hey, I want that smart lock, I want that you know, that smart system in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have to understand too, are you now hitting the ceiling of what that house is worth? Are you gonna get your money out of it? And if you're using hard money, they're probably not gonna allow you to move your budget up just to put in some smart features. They, the, the value for the hard money lender is not quite there yet. I would disagree personally, just from what we've seen, uh, but the hard money lender is gonna be a lot more conservative with their money. And like I said, it's their money so they're not willing to put necessarily another five, ten thousand dollars budget on the line to make it look cute or make it smart. As long as it's functional and it looks good on the inside and outside, that's that's what they're basing their ARB on. So all that, a lot of that stuff may be extra to them. Uh, and so that's where you're going to get yourself in trouble. It's not about hey, I budgeted it all and it's fifty-five thousand. It's hey, I budgeted it all, it's fifty-five thousand. I presented it to my investors and my investors say, hey, no, we're only willing to cover 45,000 of the rehab. So now what do you have to cut out? Yeah. Right. Next slide. Next slide, please. Okay, analyzing potential issues in advance, um, which is ideal, because then you mm -hmm. keep you out of trouble. Um, knowing what to look for in the beginning will help you analyze any potential issues with the property. Uh, every property is different, but there are usually similar signs to look for that will help you come up with your budget. Um, and then also your contractor will typically point out issues when you're doing your initial walkthrough, but I would not rely on them to catch most things or majority of, of issues, you know, that are there. You still have to do your own due diligence and walk that property yourself and see what you can find um, that would be necessary to fix. Yeah, we don't, we don't ever just send our contractor out to go look at a property for us. No. Uh, anyway, it's not that we don't trust them. It's just we, there are certain things that we know we're going to want, whether it's in good shape or not, mm -hmm. we're going to maybe want it replaced. Like most of our contractors know, uh, like, again, the roof, 
the water heater is around the same thing, eight to 10 years, we automatically replace it. Right. So a, a lot of our contractors know certain things, uh, but then there's other things that look at the floor and say, yeah, that looks great. And then just go walk in and be like, no, this floor is from like 1970. It's green faux marble floors and it looks hideous. We need to get rid of it. Um, and so they just they, they, they cut and not necessarily cut corners, but they cut out things that our um, brand won't, right. won't allow are us to necessary cut. necessary in, in our, yeah. for our business model. So depending on, you know, if we're rehabbing it as a rental or a flip, right. you know, cause that makes a difference too. And they may not know what your plan is. Yeah. So. But I mean, if you've done 15, 20 similar houses with the same contractor, at some point you may allow that to happen, but we've never let it happen like that because again, we don't want to mess up the budget out the gate and then realize or get in an argument on why they didn't account for this, that, or the other when it's, it's our job. Right. All right. Next slide, please. And then this is just an example <laughs> of if this, then that. Um, if you're walking a house and you notice major cracks on the exterior, that's usually an indicator of foundation issues. Um, so, and this is, you know, something we've run into so many times. Um, anytime there's major foundation issues, there's going to be plumbing issues. Yeah. Even, you know, and this is an example example of cast iron pipes that crumble because anything built 1970 or older, um, you're going to find this pretty much every time. Um, pipes that look like that when you pull them out. Yeah, the, the, they may have been replaced, but again, if it's a bank owned property, they don't know, they don't care. You can't really dig it up. Uh, if there's say like a toilet missing or, or some, some plumbers are good enough, well, they'll run a stake in there and if it's clean enough, they can tell that it's PVC vice um cast iron but we've gotten to the point where if we know we're doing uh extensive foundation we just automatically account for plumbing mm -hmm. uh again you don't know but you can't take the gamble and say well i hope it holds and then if it no. doesn't you're now seven thousand dollars over budget because you got to replace the whole plumbing system and that's happened to us twice now uh trying trying to say ah, i think it'll hold and debating it or not just even realizing cross your it. fingers yeah because <laughs> it doesn't it's, work it's not even the fact that it, you know, it breaks, you can patch it. But when it gets so old, it just gets brittle. And as they try and patch it, when they try and grab onto the old pipe, it just crumbles. And then they have to do a longer line and it crumbles. And they do a longer line and it crumbles. And guess what? They charge you each time they try and do that for their, at least their, their labor. Uh, and then at some point they say, hey, we're $5,000 in on labor trying to fix this, but it keeps crumbling. But we can fix, replace the whole thing for another 10000 So now you're $15,000 in. Uh, for something that you didn't anticipate because you were trying to now chase a leak to, to, to keep that budget in place. And it's right. not always, it doesn't always work. It's worked out for us about 50% of the time. Yeah. So uh, next slide, please. So take action. Um, these are just some ways to uncover some major issues before you get started to avoid running into a $15,000, $20,000 <laughs> um, get a static test. So if you're doing extensive foundation work, um, obviously you're going to do that static test after you do the foundation work. And normally the foundation company will do that um, because you got to know if whatever work they did affected your plumbing. Um, and that's especially, again, if it's first lab foundation. Right. Um, and but, even if it's a newer home. Yeah. I say, but. 
as, as from a realtor's point of view, again, now you have your, if you're getting this off the MLS, you have your inspection or your option period, right? right. You can still request a static test during your option period. And the best part about that is the seller has to sign something saying, basically, if you blow up those pipes, it's not your fault. Uh, it's like a hold harmless. It's a, it's a track form that they send over they sign it, allowing you to do that static test. Because guess what? If it blows up, it was probably going to blow up anyway. Uh, if it holds great, now you know at least the plumbing's in good shape. But now if you have to do foundation again, like Jessica said, you're going to have to redo that again. Right. Uh, at the end of it, it's required by most cities, uh, assuming you pull permits, and you should. Uh, it's required for them to turn the water back on after any type of foundation work, just to make sure pipes didn't separate if you uh, had to lift the house. It doesn't matter what you lift it, but typically we know if we're lifting it more than like half an inch, there's a chance that things will start coming undone, toilets and other piping right. under the house. And I mean, I would say 75% of the homes that we flipped, we have did at least some foundation work. Yeah. Um, so this generally affects most of the properties that we touch. Right. Um, so this is a good rule of thumb. Just make sure you get that static test, test those pipes. Yeah. Even pier and beam, um, you know, the, the pipes aren't in the ground, but again, you understand you're lifting the house. So the house, we just, we're doing a nine, 1900s build out in Terrell. And, uh, we had to do $20,000 worth of foundation. It's a big house. Uh, again, beams were bad, so they had to replace some of the beams, some of the wood, but they also had to replace, uh, gosh, it was like 68 piers or something under the house. It was, it was just like the old Bodark or like yeah. <laughs> pieces of wood literally holding the house up, so they, we cleaned it all up. Mm -hmm. But because we had to adjust it so much and we realized they sucked in the back porch here and the side porch here and uh, once they leveled it all out, some of the pipes separated from, again, the, the toilets or whatever, even though it wasn't in the ground. Again, you just, once you move it so much, it's, they're going to shift. Yeah, so, the whole house shifts, then you gotta you have to address the plumbing. It's just... Right. <laughs> yeah, especially with cast iron, because it, it doesn't bend. You can't just cut off a sliver to make it fit again. Once you do that, it's, mm -hmm. again, deteriorated. So we're, yeah. we're replacing the plumbing under the house, but we accounted for it. Yeah, so that's why I say always, if, if you know that the home is built 1970 or, or it's older than that, um, that plumbing is most likely going to have to be replaced. Yeah, and uh, Glenn, typically, Glenn asked who provides the, the static test. Uh, typically, we go through a GC, so the, our general contractor will have a plumber or two on staff that will go do that. You can absolutely do it independent from uh, mm -hmm. any, any reputable uh Plumbers, mm -hmm. uh, I was I would say out here, but you're in Beaumont, so you, even if I name like Baker Brothers, you wouldn't know who they are. They're you know they're more pricey, they're well known out here, but we know they do hydrostatic tests. Uh, so yeah, but just, any or most plumbing companies, if you call them, yeah, they probably provide that service. Yeah, the other thing we we do a lot of times because uh, it's a little bit less expensive is a camera test. So they run a camera down there. For example, if they see roots growing through the pipe there's no need to do the hydrostatic test because they know it's not going to hold. Yeah. So some may just charge, you know, uh, $8,500 to run a camera down the main line and they'll just kind of look and if you see any breaks or one time it, it just stopped, which means the pipe collapsed. And so it was just running into like dirt essentially. So we knew, okay, <laughs> no need to do a hydrostatic test because it's broken. Like, there's right. No point doing it. Uh, so we, we kind of do it in, in segments, but starting off, I would just get that hydrostatic test because if they run that line, 
and they don't see anything and they say it's good and you believe them and it's like a hairline crack again now you're dipping into that overage that reserve mm -hmm. because you didn't anticipate just replacing the whole thing right um the other thing you could do is uh, get a foundation report um before you know if you're in your option period again if, if this is a deal that you um, are under contracted and you haven't purchased yet you can still get that foundation report have the foundation company come out um do the report you know exactly uh, how much it's going to cost because sometimes you don't know sometimes you may think it only needs a few peers and it needs like 30 peers <laughs> or <laughs> it's the opposite we've we've run into that before yeah. where we thought or they told us it was going to need a whole bunch of peers but there was water sitting in the house that so pushed the middle up once we fixed that issue and it settled down they realized that it actually only needed just a few so yeah getting that done is and it's, it's a good uh good point for asking for a price reduction because it's proof that there's something wrong. And we always stack it. We say, hey, look, you know, we got to do 18 piers, but there's a couple right by the main plumbing line. So there's a great chance that the plumbing's going to shift and we're going to have to go in there and either tear through the floor to get to the plumbing or dig under the house, which is going to be even more expensive. Right. Uh, so we're asking for a now $10,000 price reduction to cover the foundation and the plumbing or 15 or whatever the number may be. Yeah. And again, anytime you're dealing with foundation issues, you're probably going to deal with plumbing issues. Right. So that just is good to figure that out in the beginning. Yeah. Next slide, please. And these are just some red flags, um, things that you can obviously see that are obvious when you're doing your initial walkthrough. Um, some things that we learned um, just by doing this. Um, the first example is a Federal Pacific panel. If you've heard of a Federal Pacific yeah. panel, they had a lot of issues. They would Calm catch fire. fire. Um, they are, you know, if you if you're doing if you're doing it right, <laughs> um, and you see one of these in, in a property that you're considering flipping, um, it's got to be replaced. Yeah, there's a, and it's it's going to go by uh, city by city. There's certain cities out here in DFW that will allow you to keep that Federal Pacific panel as long as you don't move it. And then you have to put uh, like diodes or certain- It's like a modification. Arc, yeah, an arc preventive, whatever it is. You gotta modify the box. Uh, we'd rather just not mess with it personally. So we would highly recommend if you can fit it in the budget to just replace it. Because even if uh, permit wise, they, they bless it and say, yep, it's good to go. When you do that buyer's inspection, they have to write it up. They don't care if it's got the art protector or whatever that it's got to modify to put in there. It's going to get hit. And, you know, 50% of the time, the buyer's going to panic. Because even if the inspector says, hey, you know, it looks like it's fine, it's working, but I have to write it up because we have to write up federal Pacific, federal Pacific panels out here. You know, that's, a, that's an issue you don't want to deal with again at the end, like when you're so close to closing. Uh, so we just yeah. try and replace it. Just them. replace it. Just account for it in your budget yeah. in the beginning. Um, the second photo is um, water damage. So this could mean um, there's a leak on the roof, you know, and it probably needs that behind that wall, you're going to have to replace um, some beams or insulation, insulation sheetrock. Yeah. Um, so take that into account, obviously, in your budget. Yeah, and that's a more obvious picture of water damage. <laughs> they don't, uh, sometimes it's just like a little yellow dot in the ceiling, like a pinhole yeah. leak. 
uh, it comes in all shape, but we wanted to kind of, you know, show you like, hey, if you see this, this is absolutely an issue. Yeah. Um, and then also foundation uh, issues, exterior cracks um, are obvious. Sometimes it's not always obvious and um, there are no cracks on the exterior, but when you walk in the house, you'll see cracks in the sheetrock yeah. or it'll feel like a fun house. Both. <laughs> yeah, and if you look at that, that second picture, it doesn't look so bad until you really look. And what it is, is they have two by fours uh, oh, yeah. set up like a, like, uh, basically supporting beam and then they support this two sets of two by fours making those two arches, one right by the door, one right up close. And then they have some plywood holding up all that brick in that archway. Uh, we were actually scared to go into that house. I remember looking at it and we had to talk our broker into opening the door first <laughs> to make sure it was safe for us to go in there. Um, so it may not always be as obvious at first sight. So we always like to, I mean, thankfully we're, we're a team. So there's always two sets of eyes at least anytime we walk a property. Mm -hmm. Have yeah, have you ever came across where they replaced sheetrock, but the wood, uh, yeah, basically have they replaced the sheetrock, but didn't touch whatever was behind it? Basically covering it yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and again, you got to be able to prove, if, you, if you're thinking about coming after the seller, you got to be able to prove that they knew about it. So, I mean, that could have been something that was done two sellers before that or two owners prior to so you don't always know it was the last person uh, but normally uh it's, it's nothing major because if it was major then the sheetrock uh, like say there's like a, a constant leak the sheetrock's just going to eventually soak back through and then mold's going to appear no matter how much you try and seal it or kilts it if there's right. a big issue uh behind that wall it's gonna it's gonna pop up pretty quickly after them trying to patch it uh so yeah, unless they're trying to cover it up and they literally fix it right before they put it on the market, then... Yeah, we did have a property at Rocky Glen yeah. where um, we were modifying a bathroom and that was the only way we would have discovered the, the water damage behind the wall. Um, and I think even some termite damage. Yes. So we ended up having to replace the two by fours right. um, behind the wall, but there was no evidence just from looking at the wall yeah. initially there wasn't any little you know when when termites eat through wood they make a little salt yeah. or not salt but wood dust pyramid thing and the little tiny holes but we didn't see any of that because it was a it was actually the garage and they modified it to make it another living area and they put a bathroom in there and it was a um what do you call it an all-in-one a uh, like a drop-in shower? Yeah, it's like a drop-in. So it's not like they had a, a shower um, pan and then put tile on the walls. It was all, it's all in one that just kind of drops in. So we were like, oh, we need to rip this out because it, it didn't make, there was a washer dryer next to it that didn't make sense. So when we ripped that out, that's when we discovered the problem. So how we left it as is, uh, we probably would have never known. Yeah. And if by chance the new buyers somehow discovered it, uh, again, as long as they could approve that we didn't touch it, we didn't open the sheetrock around it, we didn't try and cover it up because we didn't know about it, they could come back to us. So don't don't think every time there's an issue that you don't know about, it's going to come back to you. It's that's what the sales disclosure for is for. Like you you have to know about it. So if you and your contractor have a discussion and they say, 
hey, uh, I found some termites that look active, but I think I could just back the wood out, cover it up, and put some sheetrock up, and it's fine. Uh, now, if termite damage pops up shortly after the cell, a cell that could typically come back uh, after you. The, the biggest, the worst horror story I heard about that was uh, they were in the wall, and what it was is they replaced the, the wood under the windowsills. So, you know, there's a frame around a window, just like there's a frame around a door, uh, but it's inside the sheetrock. So the new owner discovered there was termites. And so when they pulled back the sheetrock, they could see all the new wood. So that was, a, that was the giveaway that the uh, investor was trying to cover it up because they literally just tried to replace the wood. They didn't do any type of termite abatement. Uh, they, I assume they didn't call an exterminator. Maybe they sprayed it with bug spray, but it wasn't in the seller's disclosure. So they said, oh, no, we don't know anything about termites. But obviously they did because they tried to fix it. Uh, so that's what gets in trouble. If you try and fix it, if there was termites, you, you technically have to disclose that. Right. Um, again, it's up to you whether you do it or not. But as a realtor, you know, I can tell you that if you know about a problem, if you know there's a leak somewhere, if you know there's termites, uh, those things shouldn't be disclosed. But as an investor, you should be. So it shouldn't be an issue. Right. Next slide, please. Okay, and these are the benefits of analyzing potential issues in the beginning. Um, and as we mentioned before, if you're still in any type of option period, which you normally have when you um, put a property under contract, um, you might be able to ask for a price reduction. And we've done this several times before where um, you do your initial walkthrough with the contractor, you have your your checklist of things you're looking for, and um, you notice something that was not disclosed, but it's fairly obvious, um, like water damage or um, something that doesn't look to code. Um, so if you are still in your option period, this is a, a huge benefit and allows you to uh, request some sort of price reduction. Yeah. Um, you'll avoid overspending and losing profit. Um, eliminate multiple change orders because um, if there are things that you didn't account for in the beginning, then um, you'll avoid doing those change orders over and over again when things pop up. Um, avoid a laundry list of major repairs on your buyer's inspection because that's when a lot of these things come up and that's um, where we got a lot of the bullet points on our revised checklist yeah. that we keep adding to. Um, because that does cost money at the end of the project when you're trying to figure out what your end profit will be. Um, and that eats away at it every time. Yeah. Um, create a quality product that a new homeowner will be able to enjoy for years to come. Um, you know, you're building a brand. Um, you should have a standard of quality um, in your business. So this just helps you maintain that right. standard. And, you know, we, are, we, we keep talking about the reserve, and I, I know we said it last week, but I don't know if we've mentioned it this week. Like, a, a good contractor or as you get more experience, you're going to catch a lot of these things. You, you almost, like, develop x-ray vision where you know that there's going to be something funny about that wall because it's bowing out or whatever it is. If you don't catch it, your contractor catches it. Uh, but there are still certain things that nobody can predict, uh, you know. You can open up, again, an old house. It's got copper wiring throughout, and you open up a wall, and there's, like, knob and tube in there. And you're like, oh, crap, where did this come from? What's it hooked into? How do we get rid of it? And you're not just going to cut it out and try and patch it. you got to get a, an electrician in there that knows what they're doing to 
to fix those kind of things. So it, it happens, but it's not like it happens every uh, project. So, but it, it just, again, it's a good safety precaution to have that reserve. So don't think that, oh my goodness, no matter what I do, there's always gonna be an unknown that I can't account for. Uh, Cause if you think like that, you're just never gonna buy anything cause you're gonna try and budget for things you don't know about. Mm-hmm. You can only budget for what you know about and again, assume things like foundation. If we have to do 38 piers, we probably need a new plumbing system in the house. Right. Uh, but aside from that, you can't say, well, just because I'm doing foundation, I think I'm going to have to sheet rock, re-sheet rock the whole house. I'm probably going to need a brand new roof. You know, that it's, it, that's not how it works. So I, I just want to kind of reiterate that, yes, please have some kind of reserve number. Again, we, we talked 10 to 15%, uh, whatever your, your total number is. Mm-hmm try and keep that in place, but don't panic and worry about having to use it every project. Again, you'll, you have to use it at least half the time, uh, but don't, don't think that it's always gonna be an issue. And if it is, hey, if you factor that 10%, typically the things behind the walls aren't more than 10% of your budget. Again, you don't pull back a wall and realize you need to do foundation. It's not, right. you know, it's, it's nothing crazy like that. You pull back a wall and you might need to redo a pipe. Okay, that's 500 to 1,000 thousand dollars depending on what it is not not a huge diff, uh huge deal all right next, next slide, slide please here's just a before and after um of a property we flipped in terrell um so this is just to show you you know kind of what we did um this was cosmetic um we probably should have replaced the HVAC. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it kind of had an older system. The house was a late nineties build, so we didn't have to really worry about the plumbing. It had PVC pipes. We didn't have to do foundation work. Yeah. Um, so this is just kind of like, a, oh, yeah. <laughs> because we didn't have to worry about all those things. And, and you'll find, you know, properties and that you flip that they're pretty cookie cutter and all you gotta do is make it look pretty. Um, and those are great. Um, but those are also what more everyone difficult help, yeah. to find. Because <laughs> that's what so. everybody else is looking for, right? If mm-hmm. you had two similar houses and one was just, oh, we just need to update the, the flooring and the kitchen. And everyone's like, okay, it needs a roof, it needs foundation, it needs plumbing, it needs HVAC. Mm-hmm. Which one are you gonna try and get first? Uh, and that's what every other investor does. If you're a landlord, you're like, cool, I just could put some paint on it and put a tenant in tomorrow. Uh, so you're competing. The, the easier it is, the more competition you have. So we've, we've learned to kind of take one step out of that, uh, that bubble of investors. And so we're kind of just on the edge of, uh, is a, are most investors even interested in doing this? Because it's just a little bit too much work. Uh, again, so for this one, she said, you know, just cosmetic, yeah. still an $80,000 rehab because it was 3,000 square feet yes. and had a pool that had sludge in it when we bought it. So the pool was something, uh, is another thing that, you know, right. if you don't know what to look for because you've never flipped a house with a pool, yeah. get a pool guy, yeah. get a pool expert out there because there are so many moving parts yeah. with a pool and a system. Um, and the contractor that we had on this particular project was not a pool. Guy. Yeah, he was. He wasn't the right <laughs> fit. He he had recommendations, and you know he had guys who were like, "Oh yeah, I've worked on this, and this is just like a pool pump. So I can do yeah. that. I can check this out. Electrical, electrical. So my electrician can do this." Uh, but so, we, we yeah. did have some issues with the pool. Yes, uh, it wasn't leaking or anything. Thankfully, the pool pump probably should have been replaced, but they fixed it and it was running. 
but it was again probably 15 years old. Uh, but we went off of his recommendation, not thinking about it. And of course, once we put it on the market, buyers were interested. They brought their pool guys, and every one of them was like, "Oh, this is wrong. Oh, that's wrong. Oh, you should have did this. We recommend yeah. that." And it was thousands and thousands of dollars of things we didn't account for, and we couldn't justify fixing because we had already did what we were going to do, re right. redid the pool, and refilled it back up. So it wasn't an easy fix like we thought. Yeah. Um, so that was probably the most challenging part of this particular yeah. project. First pool we ever did, and hopefully the last. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It wasn't that bad. Uh, I, but pools, you know, any, any unknown, anything like a pool, especially if it's not currently working when you buy it, this one, this house had been vacant for years. Uh, it, that, that's that factor of unknown that you really don't know. And again, there was sludge. They, they happened to drain it right before we bought it. There was a turtle down there and some frogs. Yeah, and, creatures. Uh, and everybody was worried that the pipes were, were clogged. And thankfully, and it drained fine. It filled up fine. It held water just fine. Mm -hmm. But if it didn't, that could have been twenty dollars $25,000 easy just ripping the thing out. Not, not, yeah. not to mention then replacing it if we chose to do so. Yeah. So. Another thing that, um, and you may not do any flips in a rural area, uh -huh. but this property, um, it was on an acre and so it was on septic. So that's another little thing that if you're not familiar with it, like, you know, if it's on a septic, if a septic, you know, malfunctions or needs to be repaired or fixed, that can be very costly as right. well. So if there's a part of the, of the property, um, an aspect of it that you're not really sure about, get an expert out there. Yeah, get, get multiple you, opinions right. as well. Because, yeah, like she said, you know, you, you, your contractor wants to help, but uh, most of them want to help. They're not like, oh, I just tell them I know how to do this just so I can get the job. But sometimes they'll tell you they know how to do something just to get the job, hoping they'll figure it out later or they'll bring in a pool guy that can figure it out if they can't mm -hmm. uh, within what they think the cost might be. But again, they don't really know. So they, they might end up blowing a budget. And again, you get into that conversation. Well, you told me it was only going to cost no more $2,000 to repair the pool and the pump. Right. And now you're buying your guy and he's saying 6000 So who's paying for that 4000 Not us, because you told us an estimate that it's this. I guess it's an estimate, but you can't be $4,000 off. Like it, it's, it's too far to be off for an estimate. Uh, so get you think get you out of situations if you get the right professional people that this is what they do for a living mm -hmm. uh into any odd situation and not like just this. guessing right guessing what's wrong with the pool guessing right. what's wrong with the septic and you know so right cross your fingers <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, next slide potential pitfalls so not analyzing these issues in the beginning can cause some major pitfalls ask us how we know and that's kind of what we've been right. sharing with you um these doing all of these things that we're saying you should do we did not do right and this is why we're sharing right. uh, these experiences so hopefully it will help you um in your flipping yeah business. but there, there's so many pitfalls like there's no way we could just like list them all uh, again, just the more organized you are, the, the better, the more methodical you are by doing the same thing, every property you walk, do the checklist, do the right. yeah. yeah, then you're less to these pitfalls. Yeah. Next slide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Next. <laughs> He's working on it. There we go. Oh, um, we got some. <laughs> so here's some examples um, of the issues that can happen. Um, losing profit due to underlying issues you failed to notice in the beginning. Um, missing out on a potential price reduction during your option period. Yeah, because uh, so again, from a realtor standpoint, you can ask for a reduction all the way up to closing, but if they if they don't accept it after you get out of your option period, your option your your choice is now either buy the house at what you guys had agreed upon, try and figure out how to cut whatever the difference is out of your budget, or you back out and you lose your earnest money. Uh, so you can avoid all three of those if you just figure it out in the beginning and then either decide, you know, by a day or two before your option period ends, we're moving forward and this is acceptable, or no, we need a price reduction of seven grand, three grand, 20 grand, and if we don't get it, we're backing out before our option period ends. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of investors, you know, and you're going to be a little bit slower starting off. Our option period is usually like seven, five or seven days, but we know we can get our contractor in there and find things wrong and get, get our numbers together that quick. When we first started, our option period was like 14 <laughs> days and we still struggled to get all our numbers because contractors would cancel on us because they had never done any work with us. We didn't build that relationship. So they were on to the next guy who was, you know, paying out. Right. Uh, so we struggled. Same thing with our hard money lenders. We were on the bottom of their list starting off because they were helping their clients that their the return clients that were currently doing projects and on to their next project vice the new guys who were like, hey, uh, we think we got something. And they're like, okay, we'll get to it. So the shorter the option period, the better. But starting off, you, you know, need, you need, you need time. even if you know you're going to give it back, uh, we got to the point where we we're like, you know, let's just put this one in a contract just to walk it with our guys and get a feel for it. Option period, we put down like 50 to $100. If you back out, you get that back, but 50 to $100 to us is, is worth, or at least yeah, that thing was, was worth the learning, education. The experience. Yeah, yeah, it was worth the experience. Seeing how quickly we can get our contractors in there, project after project. Uh, and you go, we weren't just picking random houses that we knew we had no business uh, trying to... Uh, we maybe not knowing right so. not intentionally you know but yeah that walking we're like yeah our budget's thirty five thousand. dollars i was like dude there's no way you can do this for any less than sixty thousand. and we're like why and they explain it and we're like okay that makes sense give it back uh but you know we, we had to learn that and kind of get on the same page with our contractors and what our numbers were by their numbers and get get to that point before we get our option period down to you know five seven days like we have it now yeah um, and then another thing is, you know, you discover things that you didn't account for that could prolong your project. Um, and if you're using hard money, as you know, that just is daily interest, interest. adding up oh. um, and diminishing your profit. And then um, worst, 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 case. worst case, losing the property because you ran out of money due to some major issues outside of your budget. Right. Because your, your hard money lender is only going to let the project sit there so or your investor, or even if it's your own money, at what you just say, hey, you know, just dump it as a loss like it is and move on. Um, because sometimes you just have to make that decision. Is it worth yeah. holding on to something that you have no exit strategy for, you're over budget, overdue? Uh, is, is it really worth holding on just to lose money or have to bring money home? Or do you mm -hmm. cut the string now and cut your losses and just move on? 
uh, you know, that's that's a hard decision to make. Thankfully, we've never gotten anything, you know, any properties foreclosed on. But, you know, we, we've had financial issues by having uh, at one point we had four projects. Uh, we learned our limit is three at a time because, again, you have interest on each one of those. And they start to add up pretty quickly. At one point, we were yeah. we were spending eight over eight thousand dollars in uh, just interest payments per month. Yeah. And again, it's not like we were big ball in, and we're like, oh, no big deal. It was we had eight thousand dollars worth of interest payments, and we had projects getting slowed down because of contractors not doing what they were supposed to, us not doing what we were supposed to. So nothing was moving. Yeah. So eight thousand dollars a month, and no no draws being pulled. You know, or how many that was like, hey guys, what's going on? Mm-hmm. What do, how can we help? This is you know what they asked. And you know, then you know, the next question was, do we need to take these back? Um, and you know, thankfully we figured it out, we got things moving, but it'll happen if if you let a project get away from you, there's the potential to get foreclosed on because it's just business. Like we're we're really close with our hardware lenders uh we've done 12 13 projects with them at least uh but at the end of the day it's just business and we understand that if we stop paying our bills or we stop pulling draws they're going to be concerned and they're going to protect their interest in the property mm-hmm. which is typically all right we'll just take it back and sell it for what it's worth or finish it out ourselves with the profit so, you know we're here to try and help you never get to that point uh you know hopefully you never do but if it happens it's it's not the end of the world. You can come back from that, but you know, just don't don't give up. Use that as your absolutely last option as the exit strategy, uh, if you if you can. All right, uh, next slide, please. All right, um, Orange Juicer, which is our flipping business, um, we provide one-on-one training and also project management. Yeah. So again, like. Uh, most of the most of the projects that we manage are for out of out of state or out of city investors that want to do in DFW area because you know it's, it's a hot market. It's been hot for probably close to a decade now. It's just been rolling, uh, but they see they see the profit here, but they just they can't get out here. They can't manage it. They don't want to find contractors. They don't want to have Zoom meetings or whatever it is on a daily basis. So we. We, we provide that service uh, for some of our out-of-state and out-of-city contractors or those that just enjoy their job, enjoy doing what they're doing, have money in the bank to that they want to make more money on, but they're not willing, again, to to deal with the headaches of the contractors and all that fun stuff. So they, they bring us in as a project management. And like Jessica said, we also do one-on-one training. We don't do any huge, big seminars or anything like that, but you know we, we take on clients like one-on-one uh type deal and you know we let them walk the property with us do contractor meetings with us just to kind of get a feel and then as they get their first property or two we walk through them and kind of play a little bit of that project management role with them to help them understand and if they hit a brick wall you know where that support line to say oh yeah i remember the first time that happened to us here's what i'd recommend or here's what i do or you need to do this right now listen to exactly what we're saying or else, you know, it's, you know, or else this is going to happen because <laughs> right. we know, because it happened to us. <laughs> so, you know, it's finally nice to, to be at that point where we can kind of, you know, give back and, and do yeah. that like like our mentors did for us. Uh, and then the other side of it is... Uh, 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 Jaybury Interiors, which is my design and staging business. Um, we offer services for investors specifically for their flips. 
um, finished packages, uh, floor plan modifications, and also staging um, when you're ready to put your rehab on the market. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, I think we got one more with our contact information. Next slide, please. Uh, yeah, so here's our contact information. I believe Jeff's going to take over here shortly for the, for the rest of the slides. But what I want you guys to do, if you have any questions, please, please uh, put them in the chat, especially if it's something we didn't answer. Uh, and then at the very end, we will do a, a Q&A session, uh, try and keep it towards the subject. But if it's anything in general. Anything real estate related. Right, but not overly, yeah. not like six part questions, because, you know, I'll, I'll want to talk for another three hours about it. But I don't think we have that kind of time. But yeah, anything we didn't answer as far as, you know, setting this up. And then if we have time, uh, I'll try and our screen and we'll pull up our contractor uh, checklist. checklist real quick, just so you can see what it looks like. It's like five page and it's, it's, it's pretty standard stuff to us, uh, but something that would have been nice for us to have day one if we actually used it. <laughs> That's but, Jeff, uh, if you want to start in the uh, in the chat for them, our yeah. So, <laughs> yep, that's what I'll be doing right now. So I just copied it from one of my tabs here. So there, I I posted it in a group. So first thing is our customer service. So the contact numbers of our customer service. If you have questions about real real estate IQ services please do call us or send us an email and we guarantee you that we will respond within two hours and, or, us, or even earlier than that. Also, you can, um, you can join our community. So that's real estate uh, community we're in. You can choose um, from a bunch of groups that we have. You can do networking there, communicate with people, you know, do business and talk to them. And yeah. So also follow us on Facebook, just like what I told you a while ago that um, we will be announcing the winners for our raffle within, within the week. So that's every Monday, we'll be posting it on Facebook. So make sure to follow us. Uh -huh. So also, again, this event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding, providing you with more than 45,000 deals leads every month. So here are some of the samples of our, our product and services we have. First, the deal analysis suite. So we have their fast CMA, repair estimator, and deal analyzer. We also have the deal finding suite, which has off-market leads, county data finder, and MLS deal finder. So off-market leads has the loan modifications, the code violations, the equine taxes, tax sales, and the ones in the asterisks are included in our premium uh, services. So there, uh, with off-market leads, we provide you daily updates and recorded from court documents. Also, our county, uh, county data finder create your own list. So if you have further questions like um, um, elaboration of what, uh, what the tools are, how can you use it, you can contact our customer service, give us a call, send us an email so we can get to, we can send you um, the full details of our services. So there I flashed it on our screen and it's in the chat box as well. So all you have to do is copy that, save it for later, for tomorrow, for next week or for the next month. We won't change numbers for you, definitely. That's a guarantee. <laughs> and also we have freebies. Um, so I'll be launching a poll right now. 
there, so it's just loading. So there, in our polls, all we need is your answer to what types of uh, freebies are you interested in. So within the week, uh, upon choosing who will be the winners for our um, raffle, um, we will also base from, from this poll if what freebie are we going to send you or give you after um, the week. So it includes uh, discounted uh, pre-foreclosure deals heat map, discounted deals heat map, rental income deals heat map, and the deal of the day. Um, just like what I said a while ago, you can join our community. So that's how it looks like in the website. So we have a bunch of um, groups included on that page. So you all have to just join and you know relate to people, talk to people within those groups, ask questions if you're a newbie, and I strongly recommend that to ask questions so that, you know, um, the experts or the people who's been in the business for lots of years can answer your questions or even give you tips on how you can, um, you know, enhance your business. And also, you can join Jessica and AZ's um, group in our real estate community, which is entitled Perils, Pitfalls, and Profits. So, just um, you can even just type Perils, press enter, and you'll be routed to this group and just... Um, you know, join the group and you can even communicate with Jessica and AZ in that group if you have follow-up questions. And again, if you missed the, the second poll, which includes the 45-minute one-on-one deal finding training question, um, just put it in the chat box that you're interested for a one-on-one um, -on -one deal finding training and I'll record that on my computer to make sure that you, you can save your spot. So just to give you a very, very brief uh, information of our events and before I started with that um, I strongly suggest that you post your questions on the chat box so you know um, Jessica and Aze can see that or even prepare for that question so make sure to post them right now so going back our events are hot trends which is every Thursdays at 5 p.m. we just ended with one session with uh, Maxwell Lee um, a while ago so it's a very very good session we're in you know we are talking about the hot trends the latest trends in real estate so all you have to do is um join the session and you can learn uh, a lot with steve our ceo so he's also the speaker from uh from that event and the next event is the book club we just started a new book this week so um i forgot the name or the title of the book but it's really interesting. The book is all about leadership. So if like um, you own a business, um, let's say you're a manager or whatever position you have in a company or in your business, um, you, I strongly suggest you join the book club now because you know the book that they're discussing is really, really great. Uh, it talks about a lot of um, leadership strategies, techniques, and you know tips on how to become an efficient leader. And we also have the Geeks and Nerds. This is every month with Joseph De La Cruz. So he's one of our um, um, team members here and he's discussing about technology. Uh, everything that uh, the technology can help our business, you know, through example, this Zoom. You know, Zoom helps us do events to communicate with um, clients, with business people to, you know, let them be informed and let the education continue with the real estate business. So I have uh, posted in the chat box now the links for you to register in those events. And also, um, I am pulling up a poll right now. 
which is just an update. So we wanted to know if you want to be updated of our future events. So all you have to do is answer those poll questions. We will have we will have them saved in our database, and you know we can send you emails or SMS for our daily updates for the webinars. So let me just check the chat box once again. Uh huh. We don't have a question yet, but I have a question for you, Jessica and Daisy, because it, it's really interesting, to be honest, for me, as a newbie, um, just to you know, continue the story from the last week that my best friend wanted to do a real estate investment, and he's, he wanted to partner up with me. Right. I just, just wanted to know if, um, how, do you, how do you find a, like, a good partner in the business. Let's say you're doing a repairs, let's say a plumber. How, do you, how can you say that he's a good plumber? Do you really have to inquire to the company, uh, look for their experience, or what yeah. are your tips on how we can look for a good I mean, partner? Everything is, it's a lot of hard work, as you know, for this, for everything, right? Uh, yeah. Finding the right people is, is, is part of it. Uh, I'd like to tell you it's as easy as getting referrals from other investors that have used somebody, but we've done that and got burned by that same contractor. Yeah. So the, the, just because he had a bad day or, again, he was going through a divorce, he, whatever it may be, uh, mm -hmm. sometimes they just fall off. So it's, some of it's trial and error. I know people that have found a general contractor like day one, and they've been working with the same crew for like 10 years. I wish we could yeah. find that person. And I, I, think, I think we're pretty close right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do. But yeah, I mean, we've, it, it's a lot of this trial and error. Uh, we had our hard money lenders uh, give us a, a recommendation for someone that they personally used mm. and that other investors were using on their flips. And the guy still tanked and like everybody apologized to us. But we got to, they didn't know. They didn't know that the guy was going to tank on our project, but he tanked. Uh, so everybody stopped using them. You know, they, if you do us dirty, you, you at some point get a nice tight network of other investors that you mm -hmm. jive with. So, you know, if if they do us dirty or they do somebody else dirty, we pass that memo on to our little network and we're like, hey, just so you know, here's going on. Here's what's going on with our project. And as soon as we told them that, they said, oh, well, we let let me call and see what's going on with our project. And yeah, the guy ended up dropping the ball on everybody's project at once because he had personal issues and it was it was unfortunate but it happened so i mean that's i don't think there's really a yeah i mean just um asking the right questions and as you interview different contractors you learn what to ask and what to you know when you're doing the whole vetting process um to avoid issues that we've had. Um, yeah. We actually have a, a contractor questionnaire that we use. It really helps. To make sure that we're addressing um, all of the things that we need to, to make sure that they're a good fit for our business. Because not every contractor, even if they're a great plumber, a great electrician, is a good fit for our business. Um, because the way they operate on a day-to-day -day may not fit in with how we operate. Right. So, For example, we're all over the place, uh, like location-wise. We're not willing to meet the contractors every Friday uh, to write them a check. So if they can't accept a digital payment like Zelle or wire, uh, transfer. wire transfer, preferably. But, I mean, even like Venmo or PayPal, worst case, if they can't accept something like that, uh, uh, 
then we may not work with them. If they can't accept major credit cards because we don't always have uh, reserves in our account, sometimes we have to put it on a card uh, yeah. because we're floating too much money on, say, three different projects. If, if we can't, worst case scenario, do something like that, if they don't have a, a contingency plan for, for finances, and it's just like, I need cash every Friday or I stop working, it, it's it's too high stress for us and it, it's, it's not worth the risk. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I would say, you know, have, have we posted that questionnaire yet? No, but um, we can, we can post a link to that questionnaire in the group. Yeah. Um, so that everyone can have access to those questions. Um, and again, it's something we keep revising um, as we grow in our business. Yeah. Um, because our criteria has changed Change. over the years. Yeah. Because yeah. at first we did run around every Friday and pay everybody. And I'm like, if I'm here, how can I be here, here? And we realized mm -hmm. that we, we can't just drive around, spend a whole Friday drive around paying people. So we said, okay, from now on, if we can't pay them digitally, we can't work with them because it's, it's taking up too much of our time. Right. So. Uh, um, looks like Glenn has a question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Glenn has a question. So, um, yeah. Uh, how do you know if the home was flooded if not stated in the seller's disclosure? Um, that's really tough if they do a good job of cleaning it up. Uh, but what you can look for is like around any type of, uh, not just like the floors included, but like the kitchen cabinets. Let, okay. Look around the bottom edge and you'll see uh, it's, it's been a little bit bloated or it warped and kind of separated a little bit, like it's starting to peel back off off of the cabinetry or off of the wall most baseboards uh are painted white some of them are still like wood colored yeah, so, so you can't any tell. brown or yellow Yellowish. um stains uh yeah you're gonna be looking low so on the baseboards mm -hmm. up to like two feet up on the sheetrock around the cabinets uh but if it was like in a bathroom or something you may not notice oh uh, the veneer normally peels off the side of the cabinet starts to peel off the bottom if, if it's been wet too long yeah um, the toe kick yeah under the under the cabinet uh inside the cabinet open it up where the sink is look on that uh usually if it's been some kind of water damage they'll replace it with just like a piece of plywood so that's a pretty good giveaway or you'll see the water spot if the leak is actually coming from the bottom of that sink off the pipes um but yeah, I mean, if we like we said, we've had some that they just covered it up or they covered it well enough that we didn't catch it or contractors didn't catch it. Um, but yeah. once we, because we happened to be ripping out that wall to do some plumbing work or whatever we were doing, it did, we caught it then. So it, it happens. Uh, what's your opinion on investing in homes that are PMB? We were just talking about this the other day. We prefer it. We love it now. <laughs> we didn't know any better. Um, when we first started and we just we had this assumption that because slab is like newer uh like a newer style of basically laying homes uh laying foundation that it was better it's cheaper it's just cheaper is all it is it's more cost effective and you know there's a long backstory on why it even started but we love it because we do a lot of floor plan modifications you know so it, it gives her an opportunity to to take that design dollar and stretch it that much further because everything's under the floor like if we need right. to add a bathroom you, they just crawl under there and 
connect to the main and pipe it out wherever right. it needs to go. You don't have to, to break into any concrete. Yeah. Um, you don't have to disrupt the slab. You yeah. know, the slab foundation, if you're moving um, a faucet or a toilet, it's a much bigger deal than it is with a pair and beam house. And so. even with like foundation, uh, we've never, well, I can't say never, we've we've typically not had to replace the flooring when doing foundation because they can get under under the floor. Uh, with, right. with slab, when you have to do an interior breakout, that floor is ruined. If that floor is no longer in stock or they bought it at a discount seconds and surplus place and there's just no more of it available because they don't make, they only make tiles so long uh, before they come up, with a new, yeah, yeah. come up with a new one or even after years and years of the same tile, the color's a little bit different. I learned a lot of this from her because <laughs> she tells me all of her exciting uh, design nerd stuff. But, you know, like the pigments or whatever, after prints so long and produces it so long, it, it's like super white and it's a little bit of off-white. And so it still won't match up even if it's supposedly the same tile. So you find yourself having to read now budget for flooring where on a pier and beam, especially if it's hardwood, you get to keep those original hardwoods instead of having to break them up, destroy part of them, replace part of them if yeah. you can uh, on a on a slab. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of benefits to yeah. working on a parent beam. Yeah, the downside nowadays is it's typically a, it's an older home. You don't see a lot of new builds that do parent beam. Yeah, I, we've seen it here, but uh, for the most part, yeah, they're, they're it's probably just, it's too expensive for the builders. Yeah, to build a parent beam. Yeah, home so, unless it's like custom and yeah. they're charging for it. Right. Um. So you might get like a '60s yeah. build or or older. Uh, you don't see too many after that that are mm -hmm. unfortunately. Uh, yeah. yeah, we love them. So if you find one. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> so yeah, like I said, that 1900 you know, bill we're doing is an old Victorian, and uh, yeah. we, we love it. Where you know she's constantly figuring out, okay, we can do this. Let's add that or remove that, and it's it's not causing any major issues, and it's not increasing our budget as much as it would with the slab when you when you do any type of floor plan modification. Thanks for your yeah. questions. Yeah, good question, man. All right, thank you so much, Jessica and Az. And by the way, you said that you'll be posting that on the group, the checklist. So yeah. that is really, really great. I know that it will help us a lot, especially us, the new, the new person. So <laughs> right now I am just gathering information. Probably right. I, can, I can use it in um, the plan of my best friend. So actually, he's the mastermind of this. So I hope that you know, I can be a big help for him. But right. for the yeah. sake of our uh, um, viewers who will be, if, in case that you're uh, viewing this as a recording, again, everyone, please do contact us, uh, Real Estate IQ. So the numbers are in the chat box. And uh, Jessica and AZ as well, I'll be going back to that slide there. So nice. save the numbers, save the email address. So anytime that uh, you thought of a question, let's say you're viewing this, um, by next week as a recording, please do reach us, uh, reach out to us. And you said a while ago that the best solution for that is, you know, find a good people, um, do networking. And I, I agree to that. You know, we are talking a, a, a lot about, you know, do networking, communicate with people, do business, something like that. And um, your answer is really perfect, to be honest. You know, doing networking is, uh, will really help a lot in you know finding a good people for your business especially when you're doing some flips or like right. repairs at home 
Yeah, you know, you, you just you learn to like the tracks of life, right? So, so back to the we don't pay, we don't drive around to pay people in check or cash anymore. There's, there's nothing wrong with that because that guy who needs cash is probably just starting his business, right? So he doesn't have that big bank account. He doesn't have a line of credit that he can float his guys another week. And we understand that. Uh, but we're now at the point in our business where it just doesn't work for us. So that guy that you got to pay every week, he's probably a little bit less expensive than the guys that we can wire to or whatever, because that's overhead that somebody's got to eat. And we, but it's worth it to us to, you know, to eat that overhead, to not have to drive out to the job site every Friday. So as you grow, your, your network and your, your circle of influence is going to change. It should change. If not, you're going to get stuck somewhere. So, I mean, we started off where, yeah, we were those guys driving to, to hand those paychecks. If they called me at three o'clock and said, hey, I'm running out of paint, was in my driving on building or paint to take it to the job site so they could keep working but we don't do that anymore because it's not our, the, the value of our time is now you know grown mm-hmm. and we, we it's it's it, it would cost us money in theory to do these things now right. We'd be losing it, doing these uh, but there's nothing wrong with it and we have our standards we know landlords that just put lipstick on a pig and that's their thing and again it works for them nothing nothing wrong with it to us it's just it's different so as you network more you 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 uh find these commonalities and say you know what i really want to work with those guys because we have a lot of uh values in common or i really want to work with these guys because they get it they're in and out and they're quick they just put lipstick on they put a tenant in they're super landlords and that's who i want to be so it's again there's not necessarily a right or wrong and i i stress that I'm not that doesn't but the way we do it uh, we have our standards they have theirs and if, if it works for you and it makes sense to you then that's what you should be doing i agree i totally agree with that and again like what i've said what i'm saying every week thank you so much jessica and az we are learning a lot i know that our attendees are also learning a lot from your tips from this session from this webinar and we thank you for that so i don't see any question anymore in the chat box or the q a box so any last words before we end the session today, Jessica and AZ? Um, again, just thanks for tuning in. And no, hope you, <laughs> we hope you learned a lot. And if you think of any questions, um, feel free to reach out to us anytime. Yeah. We love to talk about real estate. So um, thank you. Yeah. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, Jeff, man. Always a pleasure talking yeah, to you. Thank yeah, you. I, I love our sessions. And everyone, <laughs> please do catch us up again next week. Same time, same day with Jessica and AZ. I am enjoying all our webinars. Thank you so much, everyone, for attending again, and you have a great day. All right, take care. Take care. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.